God came. God came of his own accord. God came and intervened into our world. The Father joined hands with Jesus and sent him in the flesh to come to us so that we could see him, know him, follow him, and live for him. The world changes because Jesus came. The world also changes because he asked us today, in this time, to be his flesh, to be his body, to be his people. You know, Christ has no body on earth now but yours, ours. No hands, no feet on the earth but yours and mine. Your eyes are the eyes that look onto the world with Jesus' eyes of compassion. Yours are the feet that walk in our world and do good works. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all people around us. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are his body. Christ has no body on the earth but us. That is really what Catalyst has been about. Uh, we're continuing to, uh, to move toward Catalyst. Catalyst uh, ends next Sunday. Uh, so uh, we're uh, finishing kind of the, the teaching part of all this this week. And then uh, we're just going to have a big celebration next week and have uh, lots of testimonies about things that have been happening and, and going on around us. We define Catalyst as um, being people a group of people or an individual whose life, talk, enthusiasm, convictions, energy calls other people to be transformed. We started with this uh, mission statement that we have on the wall, thinking about who we are and why we are who we are. You know, we could spend a lot of time talking individually about ourselves and our needs, but God meets our needs in so much more powerful ways when we are willing to be on his agenda, part of his will to be accomplished in the world. So we want to be catalyst. He's the ultimate catalyst. Uh, what we do, who we are, happens because of his moving within us. I always say that I never do anything first. I'm always responding to what he's doing. You know, he, he moves and then we respond. And he moves and we respond. Uh, so it's never about me. It's always about him. It's never about us. It's about his kingdom work being accomplished in us. I get excited pretty quick uh, thinking about being a catalyst. And I want you to think about that. Uh, we... We've talked about uh, the art of neighboring. Uh, that was one whole set. We kind of broke this up in kind of three parts of Catalyst. The art of neighboring was that middle section. Uh, Cheryl and I spent three weeks talking to you about that. Uh, we, uh, you know, our desire is not to have a series uh, where we talk about neighboring, but we change our lifestyle to think about how we're going to deal with our neighbors. I hope that maybe you, uh, you've made a permanent change in how you're going to think about and deal with your neighbors instead of just 
closing your garage or waving on your way out that you think about how to build those relationships. Some of you are involved in neighboring tonight. So we, uh, we don't have a regular service tonight because it's neighbor night uh, number three uh, that we're having. If you haven't done that yet, I really encourage you to think about uh, your neighbors and reaching out to them. Finally, this last part, uh, this is part three of surprise the world. Uh, we've been thinking about what it means to surprise the world, not doing things that would normally be expected of us as Christians, but how could we do things like neighboring or how could our habits and our choices help us to surprise the world, to reach out to them? Um, uh, what, what are our action steps and how does God uh, want to, to use us? Uh, I told you that we would be talking about habits. Bells plus one, B-E-L-L-S plus one other one. So six different habits that we're talking about where we're looking at not what we, not just what we say that we'll do, but what do we do? Who are we? What are our habits? How do my habits, how do my lifestyle habits, how do the actions of my life drive my ability, our ability to point others to God? Do I have intentional behaviors, choices that help us represent uh, Jesus uh, in the world around us? So uh, we've been talking about these missional practices, missional habits. Three last Sunday, three this week. Last week, uh, we talked to you, talked about Bells. B stood for bless others. So who'd you bless this week? Uh, next week, I'll probably ask you that question again and look for some testimony. Who have you been blessing? I challenge you to bless three, at least three people a week, some of whom maybe are from the church, maybe close people, but some people that you're going to bless that don't know God, haven't given their life to God, or people that maybe are, God is bringing into your path. Uh, you know, you can do that. If your attention is on it, if you have a willingness and an openness for God to bless you. We talked about words of affirmation. We talked about uh, giving gifts or doing things for others, acts of kindness, how we could choose to bless others, hoping that you would choose that that would be part of your lifestyle. You know, really, I was thinking after last Sunday, it's not so hard to bless others when you're a Christian, is it? That's what he wants us to be and do to encourage us to be the people that are making a difference in the world. So uh, surprising people by our love for them and our willingness to bless them. Second missional habit was to eat with others. Um, maybe you had a chance to do that this week, to have some chance to, uh, to eat together, to uh, not only have a chance to fellowship with believers, but uh, to eat with some people in your life. You know, maybe you thought, well, I got, you know, it's a lot to do in one week, Pastor. Well, that's true. You know, you just keep taking your time, keep working at it thinking about ways that you could sit at a table with people so that maybe you'd have a chance to, for them to hear your story and for you to certainly hear uh, their story. Um, you know, I meet, I meet people once in a while that, uh, that love to talk. None of y'all, you know, I sit from that other church, you know, over there. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes, you because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite you know, I'm not just looking for a chance to share my story. I'm way more interested in hearing somebody else's story. And then they all, they'll say, well, if, you, if I'm going to tell you all this stuff about me, then you got to tell me some things about you. Uh, but, you know, you got to find that balance. Sometimes you got to, uh, you know, and ask questions and listen to the voice of other people and, uh, and then have opportunity to share your story. Thinking about uh, eating others. I feel like I'm way far back here. I'm going to pull this up here. Um, 
blessing others, eating with others. Uh, the last missional habit was uh, the one that I really think is kind of central to this whole idea is listening to the Spirit's voice. Uh, you know, what I didn't say is uh, I didn't just ask you if you had devotions. I didn't just ask you if you were reading the Bible uh, at times in your life. All those things are really important. didn't ask you if you were praying. I asked you if you were listening, listening to the Spirit's voice. I guarantee you that if you spent some time listening to the Spirit's voice this week, that he's speaking to you. He's encouraging you. He wants to develop that habit of being able to listen uh, to the voice of God. So those were uh, missional habits. Now we're doing, we're doing three more. Uh, the, the fourth missional habit was learn Christ. Learn Christ. So we're in this process together of thinking about uh, what that means, how to live out a life of mission. Uh, you know, in the, in the early church, this was like a, a call among early Christians. Learn Christ. Learn him. Uh, it was an idea that the whole movement of Christianity, that when, when you were converted, people were converted out of paganism, worshiping pagan gods, uh, and they would enter into a time of learning and training committing themselves to an intensive study and thought process on the teachings and the work of Jesus Christ uh, through the scriptures, through the gospels, as well as all of scripture. Uh, you know, it helps us to know Jesus, to have information about him, but also the tools to embrace him uh, in, our, in our life. Uh, you know, a couple of reasons for that that I would encourage you to think about learning Christ. Uh, one is that it really helps you devotionally and spiritually, right? To be able to be in the Word of God, uh, to think about what it means to love God and to know Him, to walk with Him, to seek to conform your life. You know, it's hard to be Christ-like if you don't know enough about Christ. Thinking about Him, His life. Uh, we need to know Him. Uh, and the second reason is not only for ourselves, but if we're going to share with the world around us, we need to know Jesus. You know, we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves that because we are Christ followers. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, in the same way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people to Christ, to make them little Christ. I don't know if you like that word or not, but I'll come back to that one. If you're not doing that, all the churches, all the ministers, all the missions, all the sermons, even the Bible itself, he says, are simply a waste of time. God became a man for no other purpose. And it's doubtful whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that everything is to be gathered together in him. You know, he is shaping us to be like Jesus. You know, we're not just called to be more religious. We're not certainly called just to be Nazarenes or Baptists or Methodists or Lutherans or whatever else people are. That's not our calling. Our calling is to be like Christ. Our calling is to follow his path and to learn about him. He said that. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So we're, we're going to, you know, we can't, we can't die for anybody's sins the way that Jesus did, but we can offer ourselves sacrificially to the world around us, right? 
We, we model that. Uh, learning of Christ is understanding Jesus better, uh, providing a, an example to us of how, to, how he wants us to live out our life. You know, years ago, you, you've heard the phrase, people would say, um, you know, what would Jesus do? Remember that? You know, where these band, what would Jesus do? Well, the, the question is really not simply what, you know, it's, it's not just what would Jesus say or what would Jesus, it's how would Jesus think? How would Jesus look at things? How would Jesus view the world? How would Jesus act in, in all these different ways? It's not just uh, simply action. It's my whole self uh, is wrapped up in that as I, as I learn about him. Now, how can I do that? Uh, one way is that we study the Gospels. Uh, so we study the Gospels uh, together. We read, we reread, we read it again. We continue to be, uh, you know, we study the whole Bible. We teach the Bible here in all of our classes and all that we do. Um, you know, we talk about the Scripture, all that, but, but continually drawing yourself back to the Gospels, knowing what Jesus did, why he came, uh, studying the Gospels. Uh, one, another way, um, not only to study the Gospels, but read a book about Jesus, now, I don't mean just read, read any book, and I'm not saying read a book. And get, um, I met somebody the other day who said, I, I just read the first book I read since high school. I thought, hmm. Uh, you know, you need, reading is so helpful to us, especially if you read people that are kind of helping you pull this together. Uh, I gave you a little list because I figured you... you, you might want to uh, check some of this out. Uh, there's a book called The Life and Teachings of Jesus by a, pe a preacher named James Stewart. It's kind of an older book. It was uh, published, I think, in the uh, end of the 70s, 80s. Um, great little simple book. It's very kind of a, it's not like a textbook or anything. It's a very simple book about the life and teachings of Jesus. You might like that. Uh, there's, a, there's a book called The Case for Christ by a guy named Lee Strobel. You know, Lee Strobel was a, uh, was a reporter, a new newspaper reporter, and uh, he didn't, you know, have any focus. He met all these Christians, he interviewed all these people, but he wasn't a Christian himself, so he decided he would study it and figure it out. And so uh, when he did that, when he studied Christ, he became a Christian because he believed in, in, in Christ and in, in, in his message. Uh, it's a great book about that, a little bit deeper than the first one. Uh, there's a book called uh, Jesus, the Greatest Life of All, a really organized kind of biography by Charles Swindoll. You might have heard of him. He's another preacher. Now, listen, sometimes I, I recommend these books to you. I'm not recommending these books because, like, I think maybe everything they say in there is true. I don't know that. You know, people have different denominational backgrounds and all that stuff. But what these guys are trying to do is to get you to think about the life of Jesus. And so thinking it, giving you some frame of reference to kind of pull it all together, um, not just simple stories here or there. You know, we, we kind of get the basics of Jesus. We know where he was born and we celebrate Christmas and, you know, we know a few things about it, but, you know, having this whole picture of who Christ is and what he came to do and pulling it together. Um, More Than a Carpenter is a book by Josh McDowell, similar to Lee Strobel. He was a guy that was anti-Christian. And yet when he, when he decided to study it, he actually decided he was going to figure out how to, how to help people not follow Christ. He, he was going to kind of uh, get the whole message of Christianity and break it down and prove that it was wrong. Well, it proved him wrong. And, and he gave his life to Christ. Josh McDowell, great story. Um, and a, a book called Seeing and Savoring Jesus. Another pastor, John Piper, uh, he, his goal is to help you know of Christ so that you would love him. 
and savor your relationship with him. You understand what I'm asking you to do? I'm asking you in your life to make a part of, you know, whatever magazines you read, whatever things that you read, whatever television shows or movies that you watch, add learning Christ as one of the missional goals of my life that I'm deciding to to learn uh, about him. One other way, talk and maybe even teach about Jesus. Talk and teach about Jesus. As you're learning, uh, it gives you an opportunity to talk about him. He'll, he'll show up in your conversations. And then one other thing I'll add is um, teach, teach about Jesus. In um, Right now, kind of the flow of some of the things that we're doing here in our church is, uh, in 2017, we spent the whole year in a gospel. Anybody remember what we did? We did Matthew. We did the book of Matthew. We spent the whole year in Matthew. This year was a little different than that. We had a lot of other different topics. That's kind of our goal is maybe to do every other year. So in 2019, we're going to spend the whole year, January to November, in the book of John. I'm so excited about that. Now, here's the deal. Um, what, one of the reasons we're doing that is, obviously, we want to learn Christ we want to learn this gospel, but we're, we're working hard as a team to make it even more effective. What it, would it be possible if we gave you the training and the resources, maybe, maybe you should teach John. Now, what I mean by that is that if you, uh, if you got a few friends that you might want to have over to your house, uh, maybe you want to have a Bible study with a few friends? Could I resource her and help her to do that? Could somebody at their job have an opportunity to maybe have a group of people together? You know, I don't know what we, we what you're going to have is we're going to study the book of John. So I'm going to preach on it every week, uh, basically verse by verse. Uh, we're going to, we're going to walk through the book of John. We're going to have expanded notes, which I give you a, a, we all, every time. So we're going to have some expanded that we're going to do a reading plan where you can read it together, maybe even some memorization. I'm going to give you key verses that you can memorize. I'm going to give you a really clear outline so that you can kind of have an idea of how you could in one thought just have an idea of what John is about and what these chapters are about. And then, you know, here we have a class that we call Remix, right? Remix is our idea. What we started doing that was uh, that a few years ago, we had a series like this, and we wanted people to talk about the series, not the pastor, but talk about the series and talk about the scripture after church was over. And so we have a class, and Cheryl teaches that class, and every week... Uh, some of you are in there, right? Some of you go to Remix, been to Remix. Uh, Remix is just an opportunity where they have a discussion about what we just talked about. Um, so my idea was, wouldn't it be pretty cool if we had a bunch of remixes going on, like all over the, all over the county, that we would provide some training? So I'm not asking you to sign up today. I'm just asking you to think about it, that if we provided, we're in January, we could begin to provide you, um, you'd get a remix sheet every week, either handed to you or uh, electronically that would give you an idea of exactly how to do a Bible study using those resources that we've given to you. So you have all the questions and you'd have, you basically have a remix guide of how to do that. Wouldn't that be pretty exciting? I was thinking, man, what if about 50 people? decided that we were going to have that. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a bunch of people that come to church here, right? Uh, wouldn't it be amazing if we didn't have just classes going on on Sunday 
or classes that, you know, our women's ministry or men's ministry is offering. What if we had some of you that were doing Bible studies all over the place and John is just everywhere? Another thing we're going to do is we're going to give out gospel to John as a saturation of the scripture all across our county. You don't seem excited about it as I am. <laughs> I know you're thinking about it. So. What are we trying to do? We're trying to learn Christ. We're trying to allow him to be talked about. I believe that if you started praying about it and thinking about it, there's some people in your life that would love to talk about the Bible. There's some people that would love you to say to them, we're going to learn this whole gospel together. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm just not smart enough to do that. I can't do it. Well, I want to help you. We're going to help you and give you the tools and the resources and the training and kind of the accountability to make that happen. So I'm going to give you at, at some point an opportunity to sign up to do that, and you can be a part of that, and we're going to team that together to accomplish that. Would you pray about that? I mean, even if you're already resisting me right now, which I see some of you, you know, would you pray about that? How God might want to use us to be a catalyst by allowing John to just be pervasive through our congregation and through us. Okay, I talked about that enough. All right, that's number one. Okay, number two. Number two, which is the fifth missional habit, is believe that you are sent by God. Believe that you are sent by God. That means that we let the habits of our life flow out of this realization that we are sent by God. But do you believe that you are sent? Now, this idea of being missional, the, the, the word missional is missio, uh, and it's got different forms to it. But almost when that word first started to be used, it almost always related to somebody leaving here and going over there somewhere meaning going overseas or we send them to Africa, right? Isn't that how you grew up? When, you, when we use the idea of mission and missional, we were thinking about somebody that was called to go over there somewhere, and that wasn't us, so good luck. You know, I'll send, you know, put a little money in the offering, and I hope it goes well. Pray for the missionaries, right? Well, that's totally changed for us, isn't it? We realize that, you know, we're sending missionaries to the south side, Right? We're sending missionaries over into Peoria, and we are going to be missionaries over in East Peoria, Washington, over in that area. We're going over there because there's some needs over there, and there's all kind of ways that we can be missional. We are going across the street next door, seeing our neighbors interested in these people because God has called us to be missional. So your mission habit is realizing that every day of your life, you are sent by God. He sent you to make a difference in the place that you live, in the place that you work, in the way he wants to work in your life. It's allowing us to live our lives in such a way that people notice that there's something different about us. Man, if we are the same as the rest of the world is about everything, what in the world good are we going to do? We are called to be transformed and then allow that... Trans it's sort of like... You, you ever... Um, you know, when you when you're, go to the theater, you know, and you're getting ready for the movie that you came, and then they show these trailers, right? 
And so you're watching the trailer, and the trailer, you know, whenever they show you the trailer, they always show you the, 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 the biggest blow-up scene or the most romantic moment or the funniest little thing there. And then almost always, if you'll pay attention, when the trailer comes on, if it's really good and, you know, somebody, you'll, you'll notice. Most of the time, somebody sitting next to me says it, but you hear it all over the room. Somebody will say, I'm going to go see that. I, w- I, w- I want to see that, Right. Because they give you this little trailer, and then you're excited because, yep, I wanna, I wanna, that, uh, that one's on the list. we we got to go see that. That's what missional is all about, that when people see you, they see how you deal with your life. They see how Christ lives his life through you. They say, I, I, I want to know, know something about that. Why are they like that? Uh, you become... You, you live a questionable life. <laughs> Not the way we normally mean it. But people ask questions about us. They want to know because we realize that we have been sent by God. Sent by God reshapes your identity, reshapes your focus, your calling, uh, your daily habits. I have some scripture here that kind of helps us think about that. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. It says, God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So you, you see right away that, uh, first of all, if you think about reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling is like um, God the Father sent Jesus. So she's the Father. Would you hold my hand? She's the Father, and I'm Jesus, and this is the, the world. And that's the picture. That, that verse is saying that God created a bridge of how to be in a right relationship with God. He sent Jesus to be the bridge, and he grabbed our hand, and he's made us right with God because of Jesus. That's a pretty good picture right there, right? It's not like, you know, I go to church and I get myself right with God or I keep certain rules and I get my right. Nope, none of those things are the bridge. Those are all kind of aspects of what's going on here, but the bridge is Jesus, And he is the one that came to make it possible for this man representing the world to be right with God the Father is because Jesus came and he's the bridge. That's pretty good, isn't it? Okay, what happens to us is is that we become the bridge. Do you notice in that scripture? It says that Christ came, reconciled the world to himself and gave us the ministry, same word, ministry of reconciliation. At the end of it, it says we've been entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. So how does that go? Because here's Rachel and um, Rachel knows Christ. And so she becomes a bridge uh, through Jesus so that Brent can come to know Christ. Uh, We become the bridges ourselves. That's what he said. That early part of the service, we are the body of Christ because God has no body other than us. And so we become that reconciler, the one that draws others to God. So we are, we are sent by God. 
Uh, you know, you are sent by God to live in your neighborhood. You are sent by God to work at the place that you were. You are sent by God at the school where you attend, the classroom that you're a part of, the circumstances of your life. You are sent by God wherever you are. God wants to use you there because you're a little Jesus. You're a little Christ. You're living out here. I don't mean that in a negative way that you're little, that you're so. No, you're mighty. You're strong. You're powerful because you have Christ within you. Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, I'm a sent one. Here am I. Send me. I'll go. I'll think about that. I'll pray about that. I'll be that person where God wants me. And the reason I say that's a missional habit, that if you're not thinking about it, you won't be it. You might think about it when you go to church or you listen to me ranting on about it, but you uh, recognize that every day I'm thinking about that I am sent. Because most of the world just thinks that about themselves. Most of the time, people just think about the privilege that they deserve. You know, I, I just don't need privilege, right? We, we, don't, we, we cannot be just a bunch of privileged people, right? Don't you hate that when your kids are? I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, they're growing, they're learning, and, you know, they, they're not any different than you were when you were their age. But, we, but it just drives you crazy, doesn't it? And you re- but that's what happens. God looks at us like that and says, don't be this privileged group. Be sent, people. Be sent by God. Out in the places where you are, that becomes uh, a habit uh, for us. Uh, John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am what? Sending you. I am sending you. He's not just talking to the disciples. He's talking to all believers there. Uh, Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, you, you look at that and you think, is he talking about geography? Nope. He's talking about home. Jerusalem was home. That's where you live. That's where you all are. He wants you to be sent by God into the place where you're, who you're married to and those people in your life. You are sent by them. You know, your number one job as a believer is to disciple and minister to the people that you live with that are next to you, that are really close in your life. Then go to Judea. You know, Judea might be your neighborhood. The people around you, just what we've been doing, art of neighboring, get out there, reaching out to them. I'm sent by God because of that. I'm sent by God in this place I go to school and where I go to work and who I am and where I go and all the places that I end up. And then, yes, let's send people across the ocean. Let's send people uh, into another city and another state. Let's reach out to them as well. But we have to start where we are. We're sent by God. It's a habit. Uh, He's recognizing We are recognizing that we are sent by God into all these places. Recognizing that as a believer, you are sent by God home and beyond. Missional habits. I am learning Christ. I believe that I'm sent by God. And number six. So this is bells and this is the plus one. Uh, The plus one is uh, the, the God pocket. The God pocket. Now, you got one of these little envelopes, you know, the tiniest little cute envelope you ever saw right there? They probably end up all over the floor, right? <laughs> uh, 
Thank you guys for putting these in there. This says the God pocket. God pocket, and the little quote is, this money belongs to God. I'm just carrying it around for him. Okay, we are not taking a special offering through this envelope today. This is your envelope. Uh, this, is, this is my thinking about uh, the God pocket. Uh, the action is set aside money or some other gift to let God give through you. So that you become a delivery agent for what God wants to do for somebody else. So the God pocket, let me just kind of give you the idea and then I'll explain it some. The God pocket is a way to give generously and intentionally to those in need that God brings into your life. Uh, many of us have a desire to give and to help others, but we don't know how or we're not prepared. Um, giving today can be very impersonal. Do you agree with that? You know, that a lot of what we do is we give, we give through the church. Definitely not knocking that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about what we do. I love what we do. You know, we are a benevolent, generous place. Uh, I have people come to me all the time and say things like, would you help us with this? I know how generous the church is because they've been hanging around here and they watch us. And uh, next week you'll see pictures of us giving a bunch of that stuff away down there. Uh, you know, they, they were overwhelmed. Uh, you, know, you know what they get overwhelmed about? Laundry detergent. Big. Some of y'all bought these big old things. Man, you just, it's, like, it's like Christmas morning. You know, because that stuff's expensive, man. And so being generous and realizing that we can, we can do things. We can, these, these um, Operation Christmas Child boxes or whatever we can do. But so many times, giving is very impersonal. What I mean by that is I'm, it's hard to know how to help somebody personally, isn't it? I mean, because we see people on the street corners and we don't know what to do with them or how do we help in this situation or that situation. So here's, here's my question. How does God meet the needs when somebody is praying about a need in their life? So you got somebody, let's say your neighbor or somebody you work with or whoever, it's just anybody. Somebody is hurting Financially, because they can't pay their, their electric bill, or they're going to turn their water off, or they got some, whatever, you know, you know, whatever it is. It's just some financial need in their life. How does God answer that prayer? I mean, they don't know you. They don't know us, but they're, at, they're, they're praying this prayer. So my first thought was, God could just drop a bunch of money on their kitchen table, here you see it floating down. Here it comes. and it just, It's like confetti and it just floats down. That ever happened to you? I'm not saying God couldn't do it. I just haven't seen it. It never happened to me. Okay, second thing. Why, why don't we say, okay, God's going to meet that need by sending an angel. So he, this angel's going to, he could do it, right? He could send somebody, he could send an angel down and has got a check from heaven and here, here you go. I never saw that either. I mean, I'm, you know, angels unaware, I'm, I'm aware, all that. No, no, no. You know what he wants to do? God realizes that I have some dollars in my pocket that he wants to get into their pocket. God has some money in your pocket that he wants to get into somebody else's pocket because he has no pockets but yours. He has no body but ours. 
And so somebody is praying for help. How's he going to do that? The God pocket. So here's the idea. The God pocket is saying that I recognize that God wants me to be generous. God wants me to give. Now, that doesn't mean, now listen, if you're already thinking he's trying to get all my money or he's saying, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you personally being willing to be so missional that God would use you in somebody else's life. Um, so could we agree that God wants us to be givers? That God wants us to be generous? Can you recognize that God wants to take some of the resources that he's blessed you with and help somebody else? I'm not saying that you got to do what I say or what anybody else says. I'm saying that you let God guide you and show you what to do. So I, I gave you a little list. Let me go up here and look at my list. Um, the list gives you some ideas of, of how this is going to work. Uh, God wants us to give and help those in need. Now, you can see uh, a scripture in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 17 and 18 gives us an idea of that. It's talking about us being willing to take our, what, our wealth. And maybe you say, well, I'm not very wealthy. Uh, I recognize that. We're all at different places. But none of us are really wealthy here compared to the way we think about wealth in, in our society. But compared to the rest of the world, we're all wealthy here. Every one of us. Uh, and he's encouraging us to be willing to share. Matthew 25 tells us that Jesus says one way that you love Jesus is to help those who are hungry. He says, when you saw me hungry, when you saw me naked, when you saw me uh, thirsty, you gave a, we often will say, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Um, if that's what somebody needs, let's give them that. Or maybe they need some help. So how do we, how do we use the God pocket? The God pocket is a way of me saying I'm going to be ready to let God use me. So here's the problem. Uh, first of all, you have to decide what you're willing to give. Because here's what happens to me before we started doing this. Uh, I love this. Man, she and I cried over this right, when we first started doing this. Because, you know, what would happen is, you know, half of us don't carry cash hardly anymore at all, do we? So you run into a situation. What are you going to do? Do you take debit? <laughs> nope. Uh, we had to figure out what, what are we going to give? And so, you know, you, you might look at a situation. You might say, well, you know, you're thinking inside. Well, I don't know if I can give that. You know, I'm not really prepared to do it. So what you do with the God pocket is that you decide in advance. I mean, let's say that you're, you feel like God wants you to give $20 or maybe $100, okay, whatever, whatever the amount is, that I decide in advance that, I, that that's, that's something that, I, that I'm willing to give. So I, I give that money to God. Now, we're not Indian givers, right? When you give it to God, I gave you this little envelope because you put that money in the envelope or you decide I'm going to give some, maybe it's time, or maybe it's a skill or resource that you have. You understand, I'm not just all about, it doesn't have to be about money, but money is the easiest way to describe what I'm talking about. So I put this money in here, and I've said, okay, God, I dedicate this to you. So if I'm a little short and I'm going by Starbucks, I'm not ripping out the God pocket. A <laughs> lot of laughter of identity right there. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. No, you decide ahead of time. I'm dedicating this to God. God will use me if I have a missional mindset and I'm giving my attention to it. Now, I'm going on with my life. But, but, uh, but I, got the, I got the God pocket. You know, I put this aside in some way. Because if you don't, you'll forget. But I put this aside. Um, you know, you don't have to buy a fancy purse or something. Just put it away. Get you a little envelope, like whatever you need. But just put it somewhere. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet there. But you've decided ahead of time, God, if you, if you want to meet somebody's need, I'm willing. I know I'm supposed to be generous, and I'm going to be ready. Now, so you devote that amount of money and gift, and it's directly for God's use. You see what it says? This money belongs to God. I'm just carrying it around for him. So he, he wants to use my pocket for this other pocket, so I'm just holding on to these dollars that he impressed on my heart because I don't know if it's $10 or $200. I don't know what God might say to you. And I'm telling you, once you get involved in this, it'll so you, you, you got this money. Now, next step is you put that money aside and, and you're ready. So you pre-decided. So when the person comes up and God is speaking to you about it, you're not saying, well, I wish I had brought some cash or should I give to this person? Already decided. Already decided that God's going to use me at some point, and when he's ready and when he nudges me, remember that prompting we talked about last? When he prompts me, then I'm going to be ready. So I depend on God to lead me to the exact person that he has in mind. You know, I don't hear anybody else's prayers usually, so I don't know what people are praying about, but God's listening. God knows. He knows where I'm going, and he leads my life, and he knows my day. He knows exactly what's going. They have no idea that I have a God pocket. (laughs) They probably aren't really asking me for anything, but just in the normal part of my life, all of a sudden, somebody comes along, and you're having a little conversation, and you're thinking missionally, and you're, or maybe you're just being kind, and all of a sudden, Josh realizes, this is my moment. This is what God wanted me to do. He put me in this spot right here. Now, he could, he could fluff that off. Say, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that. You know, I don't think God's going to get all upset about that. He's just going to lead you to somebody else. Uh, but somewhere along the line, we're going to learn that we can be ready. I'm prepared. I'm ready. And I'm just waiting on God uh, to come. I could give you a bunch of stories. You know, this lady is on the side of the road that our uh, car broke down. And, you know, somebody stops there. And this guy, and he's a God pocket guy, and helps her there. But he realizes her story there. And it wasn't really about the tire problem she was having. It was another problem that was out there. And he had $70 that he was going to give to her. And so he, um, he, gave that, he gave that money to her, helped her fix. You know, he could fix the tire, but he helped her with the real problem uh, that she was having. You know, it happens in all kinds of different ways, deciding how to allow God to help me. There's a couple other steps here. We recognize that um, God is... Now, here's the deal. When we deliver this, we got to make sure that God gets the glory, right? 
I'm not getting the glory. So first of all, we're taking responsibility that we are followers of Christ and we are entrusted with this reconciliation process and to be generous and to help those that are in need. Uh, I, w- I want to be a help as God would help, uh, help me and allow me to do that. But I realize that the gift is from, is from God. He blessed me with it to begin with. You know, you start owning your own money, you'll have less money. You got me? Yeah, you, you think you can live better on 100% than on 90%? You are wrong. You know, he gets his, he gets his either way. He just wants you to learn how to be a person of generosity and how to be missional in your generosity. How do I think about my life? So, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, I'll just give you a few ideas. First of all, you can just report the nudge. You can say, for some reason, God helped me notice you or brought you to my attention. For some way, something caught my attention. And then you describe the mission. The mission is, this money belongs to God, and I've just been carrying it around for him. I've been carrying it around, waiting so that I could give it to you. God nudged me, and I, want, I, want, and I think he wants you to have this. And I'm giving God, I'm, I'm happy for you. I want to be a part of helping to meet that need. But God cares about you, and he nudged me to help you today. And I want God to be glorified in that. Uh, recognizing, um, you know, we declare that God is the ultimate giver and that he provided the gift and then we give glory to God. That is a great way to live missionally. Are, are you feeling a little excitement in your spirit about that? We need method, don't we? We need a way of thinking about things. How can we be generous? Now, I'm not asking you to give the church less. I'm not asking you to, uh, I'm just telling you to be available, be welcome, open the opportunity for you to be able to be used by God. And the God pocket is a great idea. How many of you are going to think about using the God pocket? All over the room. Thank you. I didn't waste my time. That was, uh, I wanted to encourage you. So like thinking about the holidays, you know, us being delivery agents with God's money, whether or not that's financial or maybe it's some other way, some skill that you have or something that you can accomplish where you figure out the need and help God to give you an idea of what you could put in the God pocket, even if it's besides money. All right, let's get to the end here. Um, Catalyst. Now, just a couple little warnings. Uh, First of all, this whole mindset about being missional, you got to be careful that you don't take everything so personally. You know, what I notice sometimes is that people take stuff personally, like they said that or they did this to me or whatever, and it causes you to sort of shut down and you don't want to be generous. You don't want to be out there anymore because you got your feelings hurt. Get over it. It even happens in the church. You know, some little thing happens and, you know, we're all been out of shape about this or that. We got bigger tasks than that. We got a mission and a vision for what we cannot be all wrapped up in ourselves and wrapped up in thinking about what's wrong with me. We got to be missional and think about the things of God. You know, you're a Christian. You have help inside of you. And if you're not acting like a Christian, come on, get with it. It's not about us and me getting my feelings hurt about something. I'm going to get over that. Maybe I got to pray about that, but I'm not letting that slow me down and being on this mission for what God wants to accomplish. You all right? Number two, to do all this stuff, you got to be genuine. 
You've got to be genuine. You've got to be authentic. You can't, you because know, people will wonder about you if you do that God pocket. They, they won't know how to take you. But what do we say? Surprise the world. Surprise the world. How are we, how are we, I'm figuring out missional habits that would allow me to not be manipulative, but just to be genuine. Do it in love, always in love, Uh, recognizing the love that you're offering uh, to those that are around you and not, not extremes, but balanced. Um, You know, sometimes we can kind of just get, just be, just be a real person that loves Jesus and is willing to be about his kingdom where you live and where you go and where you work. Is that really so hard? That is catalyst. I heard this story. It's kind of, it's one of them weird heaven kind of stories. And I have no idea if this makes any sense really, but it really impacted me. Uh, The story goes is something to the effect of somebody's in heaven and they, They walk by and there's this big old storage room there and this person in heaven is asking what in the world is all that stuff there and eventually they get an answer and the answer is that there was this storage room that was, that had all these things that God wanted to provide that were never requested. So it's just filled with boxes of stuff that nobody ever asked for. I got to thinking, what if the judgment... What if the judgment includes things that could have been different if I had only been thinking about the kingdom instead of myself? Who would have got saved? Who would have, who would have had their, their needs met? What situations happen every day in our life that would be different if we belong to Christ out there? not just in here. If we had missional habits, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want that kind of judgment on me. I don't. You know, I don't want to tell him, well, I love church. Church was great. I, you know, I preached. I did. Nope. You know, there, there's some people out there that God wants us to help be missional, to bless to eat with, to fellowship with, to uh, listen to the Spirit's voice, to let God use us, to care about being able to talk about Christ, maybe teach Christ, uh, or, or even the God pocket. Let's be catalyst. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be who and how God wants to use you and me. Let's surprise the world. Let's do our part. Let's allow Jesus to be seen as we are the light in the world. Let's be catalysts. Let's surprise the world. Let's develop habits of our life that will allow us to be participants in what Jesus is trying to accomplish. Let's be catalysts. Let's be sent by God. Let's be on mission. Let's surprise uh, the world around us. Could we do it? Let's be those people. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in me over these weeks. I pray that it's not just a sermon or two, but it's a lifestyle. And that wherever I am, 
or wherever we, wherever we are, that we would choose to be catalyst, to live missionally at home, neighborhood, school, work, grocery store, wherever we are. And Lord, as we're willing, I know that you are willing. You are willing to speak to us. You're willing to prompt us, to nudge us toward the person in need, the one that we are to bless or to eat with, the one that we can recognize that we are sent by them to, to give them some time or to listen to their story or to offer a, a gift, something you already gave us and we've just been holding on to it till you showed us who you wanted to bless with it, who you wanted to help out of our pocket into theirs. Lord, do something in us that helps us to be the believers, to be the church that you want us to be. May our towns, may our county, may where we live and work, may our world around us be different because you sent us here. Your body is our body. And we pray Help us surprise the world to be that bridge, that catalyst for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 Thank you.